The Godcast with Josh Fritz, where the scripture is honored, the lost are warned, the saints are fortified, false teachers are exposed, and the Lord Jesus Christ is glorified. Here's your host, Josh Fritz. Thank you for joining the Godcast with Josh Fritz. This is episode 103. Episode 103. I just want to thank you guys for listening, for always sharing, for always liking the content. Uh, This intro is just an audio only. You won't see this in a video format. Uh, You can see what I'm about to share with you in a video format on my YouTube channel. Uh, Recently, about uh, close to earlier this week, actually, it's actually earlier this week, I was able to lead the Sunday school in my local church. And uh, what we're doing in the local church in Sunday school, we're like tag teaming teaching, I guess is one way to say it. Um, A brother of mine started uh, teaching chapter one of Ephesians, and uh, he passed the baton to me uh, from verses uh, 15 through 20. And I was able to do that this past week. It was a blessing. And the audio I'm about to share with you, it is a little choppy. But I was able to edit it, and it does sound pretty good. Uh, There is some issues where I called on the class to read, or I called on the class to pray, or to share their comments. Some of that did not get picked up in the audio. So if there's any gaps, uh, I'm trying to, uh, at this moment before I make this podcast together, trying to make it so that you don't get those gaps of uh, silence or anything like that. And if there's any references I called them out to read, and they don't pick up on the microphone, I'm going to read them. So it's going to look like I'm talking to myself as I read the references. So if it does pick them up, then you'll hear them say it. And uh, so we talked about in Ephesians 1, the blessings of Jesus uh, we have in Jesus Christ as believers. Uh, I briefly just summarized verses uh, 3 to 14. Uh, If you want to watch that content, you can go to my church's website, uh, rather my church's uh, Facebook channel, you go there, in the last couple of weeks, we have the, those videos up. You can watch that uh, for your uh, edification and enjoyment. Uh, but for my sake and the fact that I uh, I do have a podcast, I want to share with you what we went over. Uh, I talked about the characteristics of a believer and what Paul's prayer was all about in verse verses 15 through 20 and uh, how... Uh, the power of God is in at work in us toward us who believe. And uh, there were four words there uh, regarding power, strength. And uh, I defined some words, some terms, and it was a blessing. And uh, I intend to continue to uh, teach this coming Lord's Day and uh, hopefully uh, tying a ribbon, I guess, at the end of chapter one. So look forward for these uh, uh, audios that I make and uh However long they are, I think they're like 45 minutes. Hopefully they uh, bless you. And uh, if you have any feedback towards me, always email me, josh at thegodcast with joshfritz.com. If you want to support this uh, podcast, you can go on Patreon. Just look me up, The Godcast with Josh Fritz. Um, Any amount will suffice. It's fine. I'm not looking for uh, anything really other than the fact that you're faithful to your local church and that you support your local church. That is first and foremost uh, my uh, suggestion, if, if not recommendation. Um, coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, I will be uh, pushing uh, what is a, uh, a men's conference, a men's 
retreat, but men don't retreat. It's a Builder's Summit of the Bible Thumping Wingnut Network. I will be there uh, in November. It's the second week in November, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The dates at the moment are not in front of me. I believe it's 11th, 12th, and 13th. Don't quote me on that, but um, it will be the Builder's Summit and uh, lots of speakers there. We're going to have two speakers from the Master Seminary and I believe two or three, if not four, of uh, the network podcasting uh, has uh, pastors on them. They will be there also, and uh, that'll be a blessing for you to see and to have that uh, blessing to uh, watch, if not uh, when you're there in person to attend and listen. Such a blessing. And the, uh, the dates are the 12th through the 14th. 12th through the 14th. So registration is now open. And if you go there, uh, coming up on September 15th, so the day I'm recording this is September 9th. Uh, so whenever you see this, uh, hopefully I'll get it out tonight, if not tomorrow. Uh, September 15th, registration goes up. So right now, you to take advantage of early bird registration, uh, it's $130. It's for uh, two and a half days there, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, all meals included, all uh, lodging included. Uh, such a blessing to have that six meals, two snacks, all activities and lodging included. So if you want to go to the Pocono Mountains, that'll be a place for you to go. I'm going. I'll be there. And uh, it'll be a great blessing for sure. And I would love to see you there myself. With that, here is the message uh, lesson that I was able to share with this past Lord's Day on Ephesians 1, 15 through 20. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. God bless. Well, good morning. Those of you come to join, we're continuing our, continuing our study in Ephesians. As our brother Steve launched off chapter 1, I just want to give you just a backdrop. And I won't be too long with it. It'll be a few minutes here. We'll look at all the verses that, we're going, that we went through. So verse 1 through 14, uh, verses 3 through 14, rather, are the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. So especially to the Ephesian church, which is, which is talking about. Paul expands off the reminding of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ in the previous 14 verses. So we're going to start in verse 15 today. Various doctrines were looked at, election, adoption, calling, love, even the pre-existence, predestination, grace, mercy, redemption. Redemption means we're purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Then we have from verse 9 through 14, we have the inclusion of the Gentiles. In this inclusion, we have the preeminence of Jesus Christ, who's brought the church together in a mysterious way. That's verses 9 through 11. What was previously unknown, God revealed the purpose in Jesus Christ to bring everything together under his authority. And that points to actually the last two verses of this chapter, of which I really couldn't get up to in this study because you can get stuck in these verses because they're so vast and they're so deep. So just a hint to that, uh, revealing the purpose in Jesus Christ to bring everything together under his authority. He is the head of the church, as we know. What does this, what this does is a, is a guarantee of our inheritance. And that's what Steve was talking about last week. The Jews were the first to trust in Christ, to bring praise and glory to God, and now to the Gentiles. And the identification that we have is of the receiving of the Holy Spirit. 
a guarantee, a deposit, a down payment, that's what that means, of the inheritance that is to come. We are his possession. We are his own people. So we've had all those blessings. I know I condensed that in about a couple of minutes. Now we're looking at verse 15 where Paul is talking about him being thankful and prayerful about the Ephesian church. So the question I want to throw out there, and it doesn't need to be answered. We can, if you, if you have something to say, you could always say it. The question I have here is, what is the evidence of a changed life in the life of a redeemed saint? What are those changes that take place? And you get that in this, these first few verses here of Paul. And let's, let's read that text together. So Ephesians 1, verse 15. For this reason, so for all the reasons of the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, the guarantee that we've got the Holy Spirit of our inheritance that is to come, so for that, for those reasons, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, that's Paul speaking now, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, which are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So, what are the characteristics of a redeemed saint? Well, we get that in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. Characteristics of true believers in Jesus Christ is they have faith in the Lord Jesus. Faith in the Lord Jesus and what he did for them at the cross. Faith in the Lord Jesus as for guiding their life, everyday life. Faith in the Lord Jesus in such a way that there's a dependence upon him. Our trust, that's what the word means, trust. We trust in Jesus Christ for what he did for us at the cross. So all of those blessings and salvation that he's listed, Paul listed here through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and the guarantee of the Holy Spirit in our lives, because of that, Paul heard of the Ephesian, Ephesians' faith in Jesus Christ, and he heard of their love for all the saints. Characteristics of a believer is love for all the saints. Now, we can turn to Galatians 5. And this is a familiar passage. Galatians 5.16. If someone wants to read that, feel free. 5.16 all the way to 26. It's a big section of script. Sure, go ahead. The end, 16 to the end. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, 
divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So, that, thank you. That section of Scripture, you have a contrast. You have a contrast of those who walk according to the pattern of the world, and you have a, those that walk to the according, according to the work of the Spirit that's in them, the Holy Spirit. So that section of Scripture, the fruit of the Spirit, we know is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I can rattle those off very quickly. You can rattle those off very quickly. But these are the things that God gives to a new believer that ha he has almost as if it was automatic. As God works out the sanctification process in our hearts, we have this fruit of the Spirit, and it's going to be evident. That's, that's the key here. It's going to be evident. So that's evidence of a changed life. Continuing on that, that topic, because we're going to get into other things, but I want to touch on it a little bit more. Turn back to the passage here. So looking at the passage one more time, you're looking at it several times. It says here, your love toward all the saints, so faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, it's very simple to say you have faith, right? You trust in Jesus Christ. Well, the works that you do are going to be evidence of what God has done. It's not working towards getting faith in Jesus Christ. We underscored that last time take a, a word from Steve, uh, we looked at that in the last se three sessions where, uh, or we touched on it, that faith is not uh, something that we have in and of ourselves. It's been given as a gift to us. We'll look at that in Ephesians chapter 2. Works come after faith in Jesus Christ, not before faith to earn faith. We don't earn our salvation on our own merits, on our own works. We don't do that. It's the evidence of the works after salvation that show what God has done in our hearts, in our minds, and what we uh, in our souls. So James says, faith without works is dead. I'll read this, uh, James 2.14 uh, through 26, and I'm going to stop at verse 22, 24, and 26, and it simply says what we're saying here today, what God's Word says. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. 
Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? And this is verse 22 I wanted to look at here. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. We can touch on chapter 2, verse 10, which says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. So, touching on verse 15, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I would think that would come under the aspect of your love toward all the saints. You're going to be working in the sense of helping one another out. You're going to be working in evangelizing. You're going to be working in all the aspects of the local church. So verse verse 16. Actually, I, th- I have more to talk about this. So the context of this, Paul heard of their strong faith, the Ephesians' strong faith, love for God's people. And this is the results of saving faith, is love for God's people. Now, where was Paul? Paul was in Rome. Paul was in prison. How did he hear about this? Well, he had people attend to him. You had, you had that access of brothers and sisters coming to him, sharing with him information that they have. And Paul was a recipient of that news. And that was, it. That was why he was able to write it down. So a characteristic of a rescued sinner are the possession of the blessings in Christ. And that's mentioned in the first 14 verses. A strong faith in the Lord Jesus and love for God's people. Continuing on in this, this is a theme that Paul uses, and I, I discovered this as I went through this. Paul mentions this uh, other times, the aspects of his praying for the saints, not stopping thanking God for them, his unceasingly thanking God for the saints. He does that in the book of Romans, he does that in the book of Colossians, he does that in the book of First Thessalonians. So, there's something about these two verses here that are, are important. If you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians 1, 3 through 4, it touches on that. I have it right here in front of me. Unless I have the wrong reference, which I probably do. Maybe it's 2 Thessalonians. It's a very possibility. Okay, yep. Okay, so verse 11 and 12. We always pray for you, that's picked up out of that, it's a parallel passage, as Steve said, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. Underline that word power, just put that in the back of your mind, the word power. We're going to be talking about that hopefully this morning as well. Um, Backing up, because I gave the wrong reference, verse 3, we always ought to give thanks to God for you brothers as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, so faith in the Lord Jesus and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So that's again, parallel passage, love for the saints, love for the brethren. 
We ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith. So, in all the persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. Very encouraging passage. So, any questions, any thoughts about characteristics of true believers and what they are, according to the scripture here, what it says? I would say knowledge, and just to piggyback on what you're saying, knowledge is a big component, I think, of that. We can, even even lack of knowledge, if someone doesn't have a lack of knowledge, they need that encouragement, they need that love come alongside of them, right, to encourage them in the faith. But knowledge actually is more responsibility when we grasp the scripture and we understand it, then there, that responsibility of knowing who God is, his characteristics of who he is, drive us to serve him even more. So, moving forward, verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Again, we touched on that, just looking at the other parallel passage. I had another scripture here that to look at that. No, we'll stay with this topic because it's important. Now, I, wrote, I put a question out there. It says, why would Paul mention that in the beginning of the latter half of chapter 1? Why would he do that? It's the second half of chapter 1. Why would he do that? I would say that this particular section right here is for him praying for the growth of the Ephesian church. Growth in the sense of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Growth in the sense of being having, having your eyes enlightened to be able to understand the hope that they've been called to to work together, to grow together, to suffer together. They're going to suffer. Believers are going to suffer. We, we went through that here in the the local church here when we looked at the study of First uh, and Second Peter. But in this section of scripture here, this prayer is amazing because it's not just, he starts here talking about them saying he doesn't cease to give thanks. He hasn't stopped praying about them. Hasn't stopped. That would tell you that he understands, if you look at chapter 6, that there's going to be a fight. Be wrestling against flesh and blood, but he says we're not. We're wrestling against principalities and powers. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God. So, in that mindset, he hasn't talked about it yet, but this is in his mind as he's God's giving him the inspiration to write these things down. That if we have a strong knowledge of Jesus Christ, if we have a strong knowledge in God's word, that's the first help that we have, the Bible. We have God's word that's going to help us to get through anything. And sometimes our worst enemies are our own selves. We doubt. We see in front of us what's going on, and we don't like what we see. and We, we forget what God says. Another characteristic of a true believer, and I'm, I'm going to stay with this because I have more notes. 1 John 2, 7 through 11. If anyone wants to read that, these are, this is what believers do. We love our brethren, no matter what. So if anyone wants to read that, and then there's, there's more scripture with that in that same chapter. Okay, so just stopping there with that scripture. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. That's not a, that's not a characteristic of a believer. You love your brother. Whoever loves his brother abides, remains in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. We don't, we're not out here to cause each other to stumble. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going. So darkness blinds our eyes. We're enlightened by the scripture. Scripture tells us the work of the Holy Spirit, 
we're understanding who God is, what he's all about. We're not going to want our brother to stumble. We're going to want to lead him along. In verse, that same chapter of 1 John 2, verse 20 to 25, it says, You have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the, li- who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, for whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Again, another characteristic would be that we confess Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Just wanted to underline that. Paul, uh, Apostle, the Apostle John underlines that, and so does the Apostle Paul. So, back to verse 16. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I do not cease to give thanks for you. Paul is thanking God. He's grateful to God. A nonstop, there's no restraining of this thanks that he has. For the Ephesians' strong faith in Jesus and love for the saints. But for anything that we don't forget, if we forget anything, remember that Paul's thanking God for strong faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints. So that the triune God, the Trinity, that's what is expressed here, in verse 17, may give the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is unveiling the knowledge of him, Jesus. So another parallel passage is Romans 1, 8, and 9. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may at now last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is why we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So, another parallel passage where he's talking to the Romans about the same things. Same things are being mentioned. Faith, that's being increased, being proclaimed in the rest of the world. Gospel. And we know in that same section, I just quoted that verse, uh, it's the power of God and the salvation to those that believe, Jew first, to the Greek also. What more could we do here? There's another question I have. What more could we even do to scratch the surface here? What, what's being described? Paul wants the Ephesian brethren to be given skill, insight, intelligence, and the full knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's the same for all believers he's visited during his ministry. It's the same for us. Go back to our text, verse 17, I'm touching on that. But the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, all these titles of God here to Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation, unveiling in the knowledge of him. I mean, this, this really points, I think, to that passage in Philippians, and we'll get to that, I'm sure, of him wanting to know Christ. Paul wanting to know Christ, the power of his resurrection. If we look at chapter 4, uh, I'm, we're going to be jumping through the scripture all morning because I got a lot. I got a lot of scripture. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, it's talking, breaking down the offices of the church and those who speak in the church, the evangelists, the pastor teachers. 
He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And this verse 13 is what I'm hinting at here. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I mean, when I read that verse, I'm still like, that verse is staggering. We have love for the saints. We have faith in the Lord Jesus. Those are going to be driving factors and wanted to us to unite for the work of ministry. Why? So that we're no longer tossed to and fro by the waves and wind, waves and carried about every wind of doctrine. We're going to be strong in the word of God. I mean, it's the reason why we open the scripture when we come to the vocal church to not just edify the saints, but to also, what does it say in, um, I think it's the book of Acts, where he wants to ward off. I, I'm aware that one day there's going to be sheep and wolves coming in. And so it's another aspect of ministry is to warn the flock. Rather, speaking the truth in love, verse 15 of chapter 4, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him, who is the head, into Christ. From the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What I gathered from this is that Paul's desires is not for the growth in numbers, although that's a good thing. Would be amazing. We, we, we've heard about that in the early passage of Acts, where the church grew. But the text seems to imply he wants those who he's writing to to grow inwardly in the sense of growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, growing that their faith might increase. He wants specifically here the Ephesians to grow. Now we're going to touch on that passage in Philippians 3. If anyone wants to read, first off, I want to stop. Is there any questions or any comments, concerns, or anything you want to add? I'll always leave that open. Maybe drive the discussion further. I know sometimes I'll talk and talk. Yes, uh, you know, it's serious when it comes to, and I completely agree with you, Whatever what God has done in our hearts and our lives as far as salvation is concerned, all of those doctrines that we listed off and we talked about, Paul wants him to grow in that, not just to know. We don't want to just have milk of the word. We want the meat, and we want to have that meat that we can go out into the world and be prepared to withstand all those attacks. And again, we're weak people. We're not strong in and of ourselves. And I'm getting touching on that because we're going to be talking about the power of God here, of which I got stuck in this text because I couldn't go further than verse 21. I stopped in verse 20 because I, I, I was stuck in 19 and 20. And we'll, we'll get there. And I, I couldn't, I was overwhelmed by it because there's four different words there for power. Strength, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. <laughs> so, as I move forward here, I was going to go to Philippians 3. Uh, whatever gain. So, Paul lists off his, I guess his accomplishments, let's say his accomplishments of his prior life, right? He's a Pharisee, he's a Jew, Hebrew of Hebrews, right? He puts that all on the back burner. Where he's talking about that in Philippians. And I call this the that I may know him passage, right? So whatever I had gained, verse 7 of Philippians 3, I count it as a loss for the sake of Christ. 
Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That surpassing word means beyond. Like beyond, you th the example is you're throwing a ball, it's beyond the distance. Of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That's a great worth. That's a, that's a great statement. For his, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. You would think if you lose everything, right? That's, that's devastating. But he suffered the loss of all things, all of that prior life, and he counts them as rubbish, garbage. It's garbage. Dung. In order that I may gain Christ. At the end of the day, it's Christ. Beginning of the day, it's Christ. And verse 9, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That word know there is it's a sure thing. Know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. It's, a, it's, a, it's an immense understanding here. Paul sets his desire to know Christ. He has that desire in him. God put it in him to do that. Verse 18, back in our text here. So, I know I didn't really spend that much time in verse 17 here, but it's to give us a spirit of wisdom, knowledge, revelation, and the knowledge of him. We're going to, that's the growth and knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. He's God in the flesh. We know that. He's our Savior. Having our eyes and our hearts enlightened, of your hearts enlightened. That's the saving knowledge of the gospel. The eyes of our soul. That day when you first believed, to shed it means to shed rays, to brighten up, to make evident, to reveal. Our hearts enlightened that we may know what is the hope. Now, when we think of the word hope, uh, maybe for the children here, what does the word hope mean to you? When you when you you define the word hope, it's typically the secular really understanding of the word hope is, oh, I hope. I can go and do this. So I hope I can go to the school tomorrow, which I don't think you do hope to go to school tomorrow because it's, cause it's, it's Labor Day. You're not going to go. But the word hope, you would think in that aspect, we're used to that, right? I hope to go do this. I hope to do that. Well, this hope here, which talking in the Bible, is different. It's not a wishful hope. It's an expectant hope. It's a confident hope of what is sure. One thing I can point you to, and I didn't write it down here, I, I, I typed it down, is, he, is Hebrews 10. I'll go there. wasn't sure to go to this one, but there's one other one that I'm thinking of, but. Hebrews 10. There we go. Yep. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Anybody wants to read that? Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, 
by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, in that text we have the backing of the fact that we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. It's a new a living way. It's a new a new way. No longer the Old Testament way of going through a priest and sac- all these sacrifices. We have it's been opened up by Jesus Christ. We have He's our great high priest. We're to draw near with a true heart, full assurance. There's a key right there. Hope is full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I mean, there's so much here I could we could talk about it for days. Verse 23 is what I was looking at. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. It's a hope that's sure, confident. What? What? What is so sure? Our salvation. Our salvation is sure. To which he has called us. Remember, piggybacking on last week, the riches of the glorious inheritance that is in the saints. It's a sure thing. It's a deposit, right? The Holy Spirit is a deposit, a down payment. Now, we're moving into that verse. Again, I'm, I'm touching on things, but I'm also getting to the part where I got stuck here. <laughs> so, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that we may know what is the hope, the sure hope, to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And, verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? Now, what I did was, that word immeasurable means surpassing. It means exceeding. It's touched on in chapter 2, verse 7, when he reads there that the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So. That word immeasurable there is a surpassing amount. And what I did, I took verses 19 through 23, really 19 through 20, and I'm going to read those words that that define power, strength, and you're going to see what I put the definition of the words in the verse. So you'll you'll hear me read it, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Verse 19, and what is the immeasurable, surpassing, exceeding, to throw beyond? What is the immeasurable? So that means surpassing, exceeding, throw beyond, measurable. Greatness, magnitude is what that means, of his power, that's miraculous power, toward us who believe, according to the working, that's energy, productive efficiency, of his great might, that's strength, dominion, Force, absolute power, ability. So, thinking of those lines, right? Surpassing, magnitude, power, magnanimous power. That's what the word means. uh, Toward us who believe. So, we've been given this. We don't have the power. We don't have, the power's not in me to do things. But we trust in the God who has that power. The only true God. 
that he worked, that he worked, the word worked, verse 20. That, that work means effectual, intense energy in Christ. When he raised him, that word raised is the word rouse. Raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand, which is the exalted position in the heavenly places. So I got stuck in here because you have like four definitions of power, of work, energy, uh, immeasurable. It's, it's beyond my mind. It's beyond our minds. If we, if we think we know this power so well that we would have it, we don't. We don't have it. I, I, I was thinking this morning, as I'm thinking about this text, I'm thinking of the hymn, Channels Only. And I'll, there's a word in there, according to his power. I, I don't have the, the, uh, if anybody wants to look that up, please do. Look up the hymn, Channels Only, and you will see the lyrics in that hymn actually depicts what we're talking about. And I'm thinking of that. I'm like, we're just a channel. We're just, we're just a, we're just clay pots, as God's word says. We're just, we're his vessels. He has, he's the one that has all the power. Now, what's Paul trying to do here? He's encouraging the Ephesian believers who have strong faith in the Lord Jesus, who love each other and the Lord and the saints. He wants them to grow. He wants them to know that this is the one who rose, was risen from the dead, who was raised from the dead, has that power to work in the heart of an individual, to save a person from their sin. That's the gospel message. Moving forward here, this is why I couldn't go on. It says, this is far above all rule, verse 21, rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Looking at this text here, verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? That same work that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead, Seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. That's far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, above every name that is named. Everything pertaining to Jesus Christ. It's like a crescendo here in the scripture here that's building up to who Jesus Christ is. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. You were dead in the trespasses and sins that you were once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You see, to tie in this scripture, one flows right into two, because we're going to stay in chapter one next week, because I, I have to, we have to go through these verses here. But there's a, there's a building up of who God is and what he does for us in salvation, and the fact that we were dead. We don't have any aspect of contribution to our salvation. It's all, it's all of Christ. It's all of who Jesus Christ is. It's all of God and raising us from the dead, spiritually speaking. What I want to do, this will be like an activity. I, I realize that I have a lot of time left, which I thought I wouldn't have. Um, I want to read a quote to you, and then we're gonna, I'm going to do a little exercise after that that speaks to this power. I want to read a quote to you. I'm sure we know who this gentleman is. He's Pastor MacArthur. No, it's <laughs> no, no. It's not Osteen either. Yes, brother. We'll see you back. Yep. 
quote, the supernatural power. So this is a quote. The supernatural power, working, strength, and might with which God supplies every believer and with which he will glorify every believer is that which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Paul, his prayer here is that we understand the power of his keeping, his securing us, and his fulfilling the marvelous hope in which is ours in Christ. The resurrection and the ascension power. That's divine energy that lifted Christ from the grave to the earth and from earth to heaven. It's the same power that will lift us up into glory as well. So he's, we're going to rise as well. And this is where the lesson got cut off by the streaming of the internet. Uh, I proceeded to go through several scriptures that mentioned power. Um, what you'll find in the next uh, lesson that I've had, I'm going to start off with that and continue that exercise, hopefully in the beginning of the next lesson at the church, and then uh, that'll be where we left off. So we're looking at next time, verses 22 to 23, or no, rather 21 and 22. I think I don't think there's 23 verses in chapter 1. but uh, So we're going to be doing that next time, and I just want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for subscribing, for sharing all the content. I appreciate it. We'll see you here next time on the Godcast. God bless.
Master.